guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 193. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. So it's been a few weeks since we actually gave a little bit of a TBD life update recap, and we thought we'd hit you guys up today to tell you what's going on in the lives of Jack and Tiara over here at TBD. So Jack, take the floor. It's the uh, 15th of October today. It's a beautiful Sunday, 2023. What have you been up to these past few weeks? I think the usual things, to be honest, a little bit of training and eating and working. Sprinkle of bodybuilding in there, flex or two. Yep. The occasional flex. (laughs) Just occasional. (laughs) No, but things have been, things have been good. I'm about to commence week two of a training block and yeah, it's relatively exciting times for me because I'm nearing the end of my off season. And I was actually just thinking about that today. I I wrote a caption for a post tonight and um, I came to the realization that this is actually the longest time I've been in a surplus in my bodybuilding career. Cause like, I would say that I officially started training for bodybuilding in 2016. And I, I started a comp prep in at the end of 2017. So that was only, a, that was less than two years of, of bodybuilding. And prior to that was very up and down in a surplus. And then my second off season was 2018, 2019, and then some of 2020. And then even that, that first year of 2018 was very broken due to my broken back, <laughs> not literally broken, but it may, have, may as well have been. And yeah, so this one obviously will be 2021 to 2024. So quite a lot larger, all things considered. So yes, I think that's a solid reminder for people that if you want to make substantial change, it's going to take a relatively substantial amount of time as well. And you can't expect crazy results overnight mm-hmm. or even even in six months yeah otherwise I would have competed by now yeah and that's what I love about you and I in terms of I feel as though almost we're relatable we've been documenting this journey now ever since 2018 when we were still in university finishing up our studies and you know <laughs> looking back on us compared to now little dweebs. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing is, is that we are relatable in terms of when we're actually speaking to our clients, trying to reassure them like, Hey, you know, this is only your first ever six months of properly resistance training, or, Hey, this is the first time ever you're actually doing a bodybuilding comp prep. Like we can actually speak to that from experience in terms of don't put so much pressure on yourself. Good things take time. Like you don't have to just nail it all at once or don't just expect heightened success right off the bat. Like expect to make a few little mistakes along the way. Expect to maybe not show up at your absolute most muscular, your absolute leanest because you haven't actually put in the time just like you and I hadn't put in sufficient time yet, but we stuck at it because we freaking love this. And Mm. Look at me now. I'm making gains. <laughs> if anyone can reference that song. Yeah, I think that uh, we're also not, I think we have good genetics, but not great genetics. So we're not, mm. we're not. I think that you're definitely up on the higher gene pool than me. I'd say I'm a solid uh, 6.5 <laughs> if you're being generous. <laughs> Pretty sure you quoted yourself as what, an 8 on the BDU podcast? No, I think I was more modest than that. I think I said... 
no higher than a seven, surely. Uh, I think I think you're nearing on an eight. Uh, thank you. I I don't know, but because like if you reference Babacara's ten, then I'm quite far off Babacar. Mm, seven point six seven. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Round up to eight. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's we're not exactly people who step on stage for the first time and and get a pro card in our first season. Even when we did compete the first time, it was a relatively non uncompetitive season. Mm. It wasn't particular. There wasn't any drastic standouts in in bodybuilding, for example. But that's also because since 2018, the standard yeah, has just like gone berserk. Mm. Yeah, which is which is something interesting for me to think about. Like I'm not obviously anticipating my results, but. I know that 2024 season B is going to be by far the most competitive season that I've undertaken. Mm. And although I'll be looking the best by far that I ever have, the, the results might not reflect that from previous seasons, which is something I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily going in there with a pessimistic mindset, more so a realistic mindset that it's going to be very, very competitive. So, because yeah, last, last time I competed, I won... Uh, two classic physique overalls and, and missed out on my pro card by by one place and obviously if I can do even better this coming time then I've certainly put in the effort to warrant that but just really depends who who shows up mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I'm in two minds about it because it's the case of like the longer that you wait obviously and if you're still putting in the work over that duration of time the better you're going to be but at the same time the longer you wait the higher the standard is, the more competitive it's going to be too. So it's like the stage is always going to be there. So of course, pursue a comp prep when you're ready, mm. but heck, you know, you better still be working in that time. You better not just be like, oh, you know, I might compete in a few years and then not actually be taking that improvement season seriously. Otherwise, if you're just showing up at the same level in two years time, are you speaking about me or just some generic person? I'm speaking of people in general. Yeah. It's the case of, yeah, the stage is always going to be there, but you better be putting your best foot forward if you want to show up and be competitive in future years because it's going to be an even higher standard than what it is now. Yeah. I'm honestly not too like focused on, like obviously I would love a pro card and I would love to win. Like I'm very competitive, but... I, at this stage, like things might change throughout the prep, but I really just want to bring a physique that I look at and be like, okay, we achieved some excellent conditioning and I'm very happy with my muscularity here as well. And I, I know, of course, I'm going to be competitive to win and, and people are, I'm going to be a contender, but the, yeah, again, that doesn't mean that I'm going to necessarily uh, win per se. I'm curious about that. What entices you so much about a pro card? Is it just the fact that a pro card is the pinnacle of being the best or is it what a pro card is actually then going to give you access to and then grant you opportunities for your future in bodybuilding? What, what would you actually want out of achieving a pro card? A pro card doesn't, it's not as desirable for me compared to other people, but it still is desirable in some aspects. I think mainly because it's, it reinforces the work that I've done. Mm. Uh, not yeah definitely not anything to do with a notoriety or like i don't know i'm not going to suddenly gain an extra like 50 percent of my clients on top of what i have now not that i would have capacity for them anyway so i think yeah for me it's more of affirmation and saying that 
you're at a level that is worthy of a pro card in a competitive season and uh, the work that you put in, it's almost like a yeah confirmation that it's been all worth it. Mm. Or yeah, not the sole confirmation, but part of it. So yeah. Yeah, because I know that for myself, I'm almost hesitant to say out loud that my goal for season A of 2024 is to win a pro card because I'm not sure if that's genuinely my goal because at least... I don't think it should be a goal anyway mm. because it's it's not up to you. Yeah, I know. Well, it's out of your control depending on who else shows up on the day. But at least in federations like ICN, I'm hesitant to say that I would want to win a Miss Fitness Pro card because unfortunately, the, the matter of the fact is, is it's... It's not necessarily a dead end to your competing career, but there are far less opportunities to actually compete because Mm -hmm. amateur shows are where it's at. And then if you become a professional, you can no longer compete as an amateur, obviously. In ICN though. In ICN, you can compete in other federations, but if you wanted to compete in that federation that you earned that pro card with, then you know you might do a prep and it might only be for one show. It might not even be a show in this country. It might be a show that's overseas. So I'm almost hesitant to even say out loud that that is my goal because I genuinely don't think that is my ultimate goal for next season, even though that is the pinnacle of you showed up as the best athlete. And I think anyone who's competitive wants to be the best athlete on the day. But if I was to say that I'd want a pro card one day in any federation, to me, because I love to compete and actually experience the stage and want more stage opportunities, for me as a female athlete, it would be with the IFBB. Because with the IFBB, especially overseas, there are so many pro show opportunities in comparison to any other federation I know in the world, natural or enhanced. So yeah, that that's just where my mind's currently at. But mm. I just, I can't wait to compete next year as an amateur and experience all of the different shows and do actually six shows and just show up at my absolute best. I know that what that's what I'm looking forward to the absolute most is like really enjoying my amateur career. And I think that's what a lot of people say too, particularly once they turn pro, they remind amateurs like, hey, you know, don't like just set your sights on just winning a pro card because if you do get it and you genuinely love to compete, it's kind of sad because you can't always do what you love anymore. Yeah, but you could, you could just <laughs> relinquish your pro card. Mm. Yeah, but again, you just, you don't. There's definitely not nearly as many opportunities. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I agree. So, what else has been up with you? Well, honestly, not too much else. I know that sounds boring, but I think my main emphasis with training at the moment is to stay injury free, which has been pretty good lately, um, especially after deloading, and also to basically establish the movement selection that I'm going to be using throughout prep and to ensure that execution is on point and to ensure that those movements are safe and sustainable throughout the majority of the prep, which I think that they are now at this stage, aside from maybe one or two, like for example, a dumbbell press, which I'll probably be taking out uh, this week. Speaking of this week, like I did, I did actually 
almost fully commit to like there'll be two different uh things on on bodybuilding down under and tbd because i've said two opposing things now for the <laughs> listeners that listen to both but um i said on bodybuilding down under that i'll be switching purely to rigs and i tried that for one session and it was just it was just messing with me mentally too much because i think there is still some pros to uh splitting up the sessions at rigs and at uh well jim brandale so i think i will be um going back to both gyms just because I think it's a little better, the diversity in, diversity in equipment. So, mm-hmm. Can you touch on that a little bit more? What was unsatisfying about rigs? Did that. I forget to wear deodorant that day? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think all around rigs is definitely the better gym. Um, it's more so that there is like, you're literally doubling the diversity in equipment mm. because rigs is very unique. It has a lot of equipment that's, commercial gyms like world gym doesn't have but then world gym brendale itself has a good array of equipment already so you're combining both of them together to equal the the bodybuilders paradise so that's why i um that's why i'll be sticking to both i think even though it's a i mean first world problems but it's a slightly longer drive to brendale and i don't know as many people that train there but that's okay Mm. i think it's kind of nice sometimes to just stick to myself for a session and just to get it done mm. um especially in prep i think i'll be i mean i'm already fairly uninclined to talk to people um but i think even more so now that'll be the case in prep who knows though i could surprise myself yeah. you are friendly <laughs> i think that we all put on that sort of gym facade sometimes when we've got our headphones on or we're really in the zone and we're sweating and veins are bulging <laughs> but hey we're actually very approachable <laughs> But it's not just the equipment in general. You only train two sessions at Brendale. You do three at Riggs. But it's the it's the upper body equipment in particular, right? And a lot of mm. the pressing equipment. Yeah. The reason I wanted to switch to Riggs for pressing was because the end range portion of a lot of the Brendale pressing is quite difficult to lock out. And in prep, when my bracing and stability is diminished, it's going to be even harder to stabilize those movements but uh, I think I think I'll survive. It's mm-hmm. okay. But also, yeah. it's the case of you just prefer the push equipment at Brendale, correct? And like your chest is a muscle group that you're really trying to bring up. Mm. Yeah, at Riggs, a lot of the movement is the, a lot of the pressing pieces they have there are not is not converging. So ideally, in pressing equipment, you want a converging press. So a Smith machine, for example, isn't converging because yeah, it doesn't. I mean, Google Converge if you don't know what it means. <laughs> I can't act it out for you. So, yeah, but um, that's training. And I think what also is a little difficult for me mentally is like I'm I'm not necessarily lifting any new numbers that I... Like a, mainly a lot of that is because I've reset technique quite considerably. Like, for example, on pressing um, or on the RDL, I'm undertaking a higher rep range approach. I think the only move, or there are other movements that I'm lifting the most I ever have on, like certain leg presses, for example. But um, another one that I still want to tick off for this year is the Smith machine back squat, where I where I'm narrowing down on on four plates a side, and that is def- that is definitely partially ego related. But I'm also still quite happy with the the execution that I'm incorporating on that lift. And you got some new squat shoes to hit it up this next coming yeah. week. I did. We'll see how those go because I've been getting a slight amount of Achilles discomfort just from the amount of knee flexion I've been getting um, and and I just don't have enough ankle mobility. So 
I'm hoping with the extra heel lift from these squat shoes that it'll, it'll help me um, achieve more knee flexion comfortably. Mm. Yeah. But I, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm not, I haven't used them yet. So, mm-hmm. so obviously you're planning well ahead as you should be. Because you're not going to be starting prep till around April of next year. I don't believe they've actually set the exact dates for season B of 2024. But once they do, I'm sure you and AJ can start planning an exact timeline backward by the week. Mm-hmm. But leading up to that point, like where's your body weight sitting at right now and nutrition? And then kind of what's those plans moving forward up until prep roughly? Yeah, so body weight right now is in the low 92s, probably like 92 point three on average this week and that'll continue climbing towards probably 95 by the end of the year and from there we'll run a mini cut probably get down to like around 89 ish and then pretty much main or maybe even lighter like 88 ish and then we'll pretty much maintain between 88 to 90 um, until april and then from there pretty much get into comp prep and then Stage weight will, I mean, I, I think will be around 78 kilos, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's that's exciting. I think initially AJ was considering starting prep at 92. But I basically expressed to him that I would feel more comfortable starting closer to 90 kilos just to avoid having to lose as much. And I'm very, very comfortable around 88 to 90 kilos as well like i feel more comfortable there than i do right now at 92 although this push-up phase so far has been very smooth sailing touch wood Mm. Um, haven't had quite as much appetite inhibitions compared to compared to the last one that's going to be incredibly ideal for you compared to any other prep that'll be the least amount of weight that you'll be losing in a prep like let's say Mm. that you did start your prep at 88 to 89 kilos and you got down to 78 as a predicted stage weight give or take whatever the look is is what that stage weight will be but that's like 10 to 11 kilos predicted yeah in 25 weeks so should be should be plenty of room to slow things down when we need to incorporate high days incorporate diet breaks Mm. so but that's definitely on the conservative end for most bodybuilders and figure athletes and most competitors in general like Mm. i would say on average more people are losing in the realm of closer to around 15 kilos or so in a prep yeah i agree i think mainly just because i one i don't have any issues with losing weight which that doesn't really make sense. But I, what I mean by that is I don't have any issues getting down from like 95 to 88 very quickly. Mm. Like I can do that in five weeks. And also because I just feel incredibly uncomfortable whenever I push too high in body weight. Whereas other people, they, they probably just let the off season escape from them a bit too much. And they get a bit too high in body fat and then they don't undertake a, a, a proper pre-prep phase. And yeah, that's admittedly what AJ is doing differently this time as well for his prep. Like he's he started too heavy last time, and this time he's he's doing a quite a substantial pre-prep phase, dieting phase to um to ensure that he has an appropriate amount to lose as well. Mm, yeah. yeah. Are you interested in optimizing your nutrition, training, or physique? If so, head on over to our website and explore our coaching services. We have options for everyone, regardless of whether or not you want to compete. Tap the link in the show notes below or head on over to our website, thebodybuildingdietitians.com to inquire now. Um, but that's pretty much me. Um, yeah, I think the, the rest of the year will look pretty similar for me. 
less travel with all the shows coming up. So November and December are usually quieter work-wise. But uh, yeah, just very keen to um, experience comp prep again. And also keen just to eat less food, I think. I was actually talking to my dad, who's a gastroenterologist, and he, uh, I was talking to him about the amount of food I was eating and just expressing to him that like, I'm probably in a pro-inflammatory state for the majority of the last three years, aside from when I'm dieting. Because like one, we generate inflammation from training, although it's positive inflammation. But we also generate inflammation from the amount of food that we eat as well. And since I've been in a surplus for, for like 90% of the time, 90 plus percent, um, I've started to notice little things here and there that potentially indicate that I have been in an inf- inflammatory state for a while. Um, like certain skin, not issues, but like are not serious by any means, but just I look forward to seeing, hmm, will, will dieting change that at all? Mm. Yeah. Well, you even alluded to that on one of your most recent Instagram reels on how you were slightly changing your diet. Like what have you noticed since making those modifications? Yeah, I found that it's, so I basically cut out a lot of the sugar based sources I was having. Um, cause I was noticing that I just wasn't feeling particularly great after them. And I've noticed that my appetite hasn't changed in a good way, um, but also I find it easier to eat the meal because it's almost like the, the meals were so sourced up that <laughs> they it was it was getting a bit tiresome to consume them. Um, but yeah, my my digestion has my digest, digestion the last few weeks has been average because I've been on antibiotics for something else completely separate, which again is minor, but it's just annoying that I have to take antibiotics for something so trivial. But um, once I finish these antibiotics, which should be in a few days, I'll be able to kind of reap the benefits of the nutritional changes I've made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for now, there's a big jar of barbecue sauce and sweet chili sauce sitting Mm. in the cupboard. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know I'm not going to touch them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if someone wants them, by all means, Tiara will give them to you. Yeah. But hey, they definitely have a very long shelf life. Yeah. That's enough of me talking though. What, uh, what's been going on with you? I think you're, you're dieting at the moment, right? Yes, I am in an energy deficit indeed. That Have... was sarcasm for <laughs> those at home. Have been for about six weeks, but hey, my voice is still projecting all right, isn't it? Yeah, it's still better than mine, but that's not hard to beat. No, <laughs> I just mean in terms of projection, because I remember that, you know, in past dieting phases, particularly toward the very end of like a prep, your voice starts to get a little bit more quiet. And I remember like on the mic, we'd have to turn up the gain or when I'd go back and edit the podcast and make sure everything sounds okay. I'd be like, whoa, we're speaking a lot more quiet today than usual. Yeah man, that metabolic adaptation, trying to cut back on your vocals. But hey, I'm here loud and clear. (laughs) Imagine being an artist and trying to deal with that. That's what I, I feel for singers, man. Seriously, what that would do to your just vocal system and your throat. And can you imagine if, if a singer got a cold Mm, or if they were doing comp prep, I genuinely don't know how they don't lose their voice. Yeah, well, they undertake vocal training just like we do <laughs> leg training. <laughs> That's true. I guess they look at us and they're like, man, how do they recover from those hip thrusts? <laughs> yep. Wouldn't their butt be just sore 24-7? No, my friend, you adapt. That's true, yes. <laughs> but anywho, I have indeed been in prep now for six weeks. Just like that, the time has flown by, but 
I can genuinely say that it's just been so smooth sailing so far. The dieting aspect has really just been going on in the background. And dare do I say, I, I, I don't want to jinx it, right? But I'm almost curious if I can finish this first stint of prep, this first kind of kickstart to the dieting phase. I'm trying to get about half of the weight off in these first nine weeks or so. I'm almost curious if I can do it without feeling dieted. You know, I'm doing my prep in two chunks and I'll be taking a bit of an extended dieting phase in the middle. If I can finish this first stint of prep without actually feeling truly dieted, and we all know the negative effects that come with dieting, you know, the low energy levels, the really compromised sleep, insatiable hunger, compromised training performance, you know, just not really feeling your best day to day. I'm six weeks in, I've probably only got a few weeks to go. I've gotten about two thirds of the body weight off. So I started this prep at 69.1 and these last two days I've clocked at 65 flat. So just around the corners, hopefully those 64s, I can feel it. And I'm planning in this first stint to get down to about 63 before we enter into a purposeful maintenance phase, two thirds of the way there. And unless it's just gonna hit me tomorrow like a train, like I'm feeling so good, I'm feeling so happy about it. Jack, I'm, I'm really curious, like do you think I could do it? Is that possible? <laughs> could I diet without feeling dieted? Yeah, I think it's totally possible, especially at the beginning of a diet where your body fat levels are higher and you've you've just come from a place of being in a surplus for a long time. So yeah, yeah. man, it's just, I'm, I couldn't be happier. Honestly, this prep is just playing out exactly the way that I envisioned. And when you and I spend so long in the improvement season, of course I was developing my physique, but more than anything, like I spent so much time and effort just really building my mindset to be just bulletproof. And I was able to just prepare myself for how I wanted to handle myself during this prep. And now that I'm actually in the thick of it and I'm executing and I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing the thing. It feels incredible. It feels so good to just be putting in the work required and then achieving the results. Like it's just, it's so immensely satisfying. And it has me honestly on just like cloud nine every single day. Cause I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to be said there for just how I was able to mentally prepare for this and just doing the do and just not overcomplicating anything at all in terms of I've been on basically a set meal plan ever since day one, really haven't modified anything to say the least. Joey and I only made one calorie drop from the very beginning. So at the very end of my improvement season, I was sitting around like 400 carb, 175 protein, 60 fat. And then we basically cut carbs in half. So we dropped those down to 200. Protein dropped down to 140 and fats are at 45. And amazingly enough, and this is the first time in my life too, in the past, like I've done these macros before, I've started dieting phases at similar body weights before, but I've always adapted. But for some reason, <laughs> and I'm not complaining about it, but like things are still moving, things are still dropping. We still haven't actually had to make an adjustment to calorie intake yet because my body still gets the memo that, hey, you know, you're in a deficit, keep going. Mm. I think reflecting back on your previous dieting 
stints. I think two things for me would be one, I think your steps are probably a little bit higher at mm. the moment. And also the way in which you do your steps is slightly higher, higher paced. Mm. And also your food volume is probably the lowest it's ever been in a dieting phase. Yeah. And the, the least amount of diet foods per se. Mm. Yeah. Steps are around 15,000 on average or so. And I guess that's two walks out in the sun each day with the dogs and on the beach. And one of those walks is just on the treadmill before my workout at the gym. But I try to kill two birds with one stone there. Cause like I'm very adamant with myself that I don't sign on to social media until I've like actually been awake and up and doing things for a number of hours during the day. And then when I get to the gym before I work out, I'll walk on the treadmill and then I'll also go on Instagram and I'll reply to things, all that good stuff. And really, it's almost like being a little bit productive in that sense. I can just clock off a bit of walking because otherwise I'd just be sitting on my butt doing those things. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a very mindful thing to do. And I'll, I'll probably do the same thing and prep myself. Yeah. Mainly just to make the steps go a little bit faster. Mm, yeah, me. that's. I have noticed that for sure. Like obviously you're able to maintain a slightly higher heart rate if you set the kilometers on the treadmill and I just put it up to like 5.1 can't put on five flat you got to do that 0.1 right <laughs> I do 5.2 <gasps> no you have to make it an odd number no I prefer even numbers oh or is no 5.2 is that even an even number yeah yes because that that is definitely an even number okay yes <laughs> because if you divide 52 by two you get 26 yeah yeah but 5.1 well, i guess if you times 17 by 3 you get 51 but no i i love odd numbers i love prime numbers but anyway 5.1 on the treadmill it is i because really when you're walking outside a leisurely walk it's very unless you're like going to extreme efforts like you're probably not gonna be walking 5.1 kilometers an hour consistently yeah it's unlikely that's mm. why i think you're your expenditure is high now. <laughs> I just get carried away. But again, like I'm like, I could either be sitting on my butt, replying to all these things on Instagram, reposting these things, doing these little things. I review all my posing footage in the morning as well. Or I'm like, I could be walking at the same time. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> but easy said and done. Just everything is just really moving. And I just haven't overcomplicated anything, which is so nice. And it's not the case of like, if I have to do a macro drop, by all means, I'll drop them tomorrow. But like, the, I'm just really just fascinated by the fact that I haven't had to do that yet. Yeah. It's, it's making me very optimistic. Yeah. So things, things are off to a crack and start. So yeah, just over four kilos down about two kilos left to go, which should be able to drop off in these next couple of weeks and then just be able to maintain over like November, December, and then finish the job next year when we start prep again in January leading into like the April and May shows, which should be awesome. And it's so funny when I tell people about that little plan of attack, they're like, ah, oh, you know, they, they always think that I'm doing it because there's something around about Christmas. <laughs> they're like, because, like, you know, you and I, we're not exactly the most social butterflies. We're not exactly heading off to a lot of Christmas parties, definitely not drinking a lot of alcohol, just like not overly indulging in any sense. Like it's literally just the case that it happened to cross over that time period, but I am so hyper-focused on my goals right now. 
I, I'm not concerned about food at all. I'm not even thinking about it. Like even Christmas day, I'll probably still just eat my normal meals. Cause like, I genuinely don't care. <laughs> I don't care at all about food. <laughs> I just, I really want to achieve my competitive goals next goal year more focused, than anything. Focused, right? I am ultimately goal focused, not food focused. I couldn't give two flying flips, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's always funny when people say that to me. I'm like, uh, nah. <laughs> what about my birthday though? Your, well, your birthday is in two days. So you're not having cake with me. Uh, no, I'll let you eat your own post-workout cake. I'll be eating my oats and strawberry and ice cream. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> but hey, I could buy you a candle. I'll light it for you and I'll sing happy birthday to you. How about that? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go out to the beach and I'll catch you a fish. <laughs> you say right? that, but I don't think you would. What? On Tuesday. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'd have to put on a lot of bug spray and I'd have to check the tides because I think low tide is at night. Mosquitoes would be out. Mm. But hey, if it's what you wanted for your birthday, baby, I'd go out there. <laughs> no, but um, things things have been really, really good. And I, I think something else that's pretty neat about this prep, Jack, too, is that like, you know, the ultimate goal is to start each prep in a more muscular condition and slightly less body fat, right? You're always wanting to start your prep in a better starting position. But speaking from experience in the past, like, I know what it feels like to start a prep under muscled and have a bit more body fat on me for in a, for a physique competitor. You know, I've never been like overweight or any, or any sense, but I'm talking about in our sense, right? In our bubble, having a bit more body fat on me so that in those first initial stages of prep, when you get quite a food drop, right? Like I know what it feels like to just kind of almost that skinny fat you know, like just flat in the gym, right? You're not like, it's almost those first few weeks of prep where you're like, I legitimately looked better in the improvement season. Now my carbs have been significantly dropped, not getting as as much pump, still have quite a bit of body fat on me. I'm just like, ugh. but you just have to like hold out, stick it through. And then you start to see the fruits of your labor. Mm. Yeah. We've both been in that situation before. Fat and flat stage. Yeah. The fat and flat stage, but what I'm genuinely really happy about this prep is that I, I haven't experienced that. And I, I think it's because you and I taken such long improvement seasons and we actually were very intelligent and deliberate and effortful during those improvement seasons and kept our visions alive the entire time. So that starting this prep, I, I started literally in a position that is, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of any other starting position I've ever had. And across these past six weeks, I really haven't had any poor body image days. Like I've just felt good every single day. I, every single day I can see like that 0.0.01% of myself just like starting to reveal in terms of just a little bit leaner, or I'm starting to see vascularity in places in my body I've never seen before. Like it's Are there so any exciting so far or just positive. I think there's just a buttload of positives. <laughs> I'm just, I'm on cloud nine. I, I'm, I wanted to be in prep for so long and now that I'm finally here and it's happening and it's playing out just the way that I wanted to, I, I couldn't be happier. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's good. And it's, it's making me so excited for your prep because I know that once I'm starting to reach that finish line, you'll be starting. And I just see you in this similar position too, where it's just like entering into prep, almost feeling like, 
I've basically already done the work. I did an improvement season. Now it's just the case of, I just need to execute my plan, keep just a rock solid mindset and just lose this body fat, right? And just mm. maintain this muscle. Keep a, keep a smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. Just breeze through those final eight weeks of prep. No issues. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I'm, I am feeling really good. I couldn't be happier with how things are going right now. And, uh, yeah, just a, a lot to really look forward to in the future. So yeah, that's, um, that's kind of a bit of a recap, you know, in terms of the whole prep side of things. And we are starting to wrap up the season now too, with, in terms of competitions, ever since the beginning of September, we've been at shows for a number of different weekends for ICN and IFBB. And a number of our clients have been competing in other States. And then these next two weekends, we're flying down to Melbourne for the ICN Nationals, where we've got five competitors competing. And then Chloe will also be doing IFBB Nationals on the same day on Sunday, October 22nd. And then the weekend after that, we've got WNBF, the first WNBF show here in Australia. And you know, be sitting on the judging panel for that. We've got clients competing at that show. It's just going to be a really, really great way to obviously cap it off. And then in a few weeks time, Chloe and I are going to Japan for the Japan Pro-AM. Yeah, it's exciting times. Very keen for you to go to Japan as well. Yeah. Your first time there, right? Yes, it is. How many times have you been to Japan? Just once, I think. Oh yeah. Just for that skiing trip? Yeah. Yeah. But you, you just went to the resort to ski. Like you didn't actually immerse yourself necessarily in the culture of like Tokyo. No, I didn't. Mm, yeah. Well then I'll have quite does a, that, um, does that, do you look down on me in that aspect? No, I don't look down on you. If anything, I'm actually, I would be looking up at you because you would have been <laughs> high up on a mountaintop <laughs> unless you skied all the way down to me and said, Hey, then we'd be on the same level. Yeah, you're thinking very literally there, I think. Yeah. No, but I'm I'm very keen to experience Japan. My sister Kyla, she lived there for years and uh yeah, she's just has a lot of stories about it, but what a culture. I'm just excited to immerse myself in it and have just a bit of a week of a holiday there, which mm. should be really fun. I bet you can't wait for all the food there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I I'm curious about that too cuz I've heard some crazy things about Japan. Like Last year when a bunch of IFBB girls went over there to compete and they hadn't exactly scoped things out, they learned a lot of things financially. It was probably a bit hard and boy, <laughs> ah, there was, I heard stories about girls spending hundreds of dollars on asparagus. Wow. I know. Like it's interesting. Like you have to know where to go in Japan apparently to get like fresh fruits and vegetables. Otherwise, like it's either super duper expensive or like tiny portion sizes are like really served as a delicacy and stuff like that. So these girls who are on their strict meal plans of chicken and asparagus, whatever it may be, like they were like, I have to eat asparagus. I can't eat this other green vegetable. They just blew hundreds of dollars on it. Mm. Wild, absolutely wild. But hey, you know, if, if, if it's on your plan, <laughs> if that's what's going to, you know, make you the least stress-free and prep, you know, stick to your meal plan, but each to their own. But even things like buying meat over there, like the chicken, it's all like, like, you know, a freezer packed. Yeah. Very interesting. So I need to suss that out. I'm definitely planning on using a lot of my luggage capacity for dry ingredients, like protein powder, some oats, you know, some cans of tuna, sardines, things like Certain that. Certain things you won't be able to bring. 
Why not? I'm not sure if you can bring something like oats overseas. Ah, if you don't tell, I won't tell. Well, I will be telling, so... <laughs> well, you're just calling up customs? Yeah, you're going to have to learn Japanese. <laughs> if you learn Japanese, okay. I, I would be pretty impressed if you could learn Japanese. <laughs> no, but I'll have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but it should be good. I would just treat it as an experience to... Um, then you, you are going to be able to teach other people how you managed in Japan with the food. I know, but I am still in prep. Like, it's really... Yeah. And obviously, Chloe's still in her prep week going into that show and everything like that. So, the dynamic will be... We're not just, you know, out and about eating a bunch of rice and sushi and, like, whatever. We're going... We discover that you eat over there. Hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty 50-50. I'd still like things to be well in my control, especially because when you travel, you still want familiar foods because you want to have good digestion. To me, like, yeah, food's nice, but again, it's like, it's about immersing myself in that culture too and just like sightseeing and stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't give two flying flips about food too much. Like, I know, that's why I asked the question originally because your mm. answer would ultimately be that. Yeah, oh, I'm just excited to be in Japan. Me too, without you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anywho, are we wrapping up this podcast? Yes, I think now's a good time. Okay, all right. Well, we do want to end on one last thing, and that is something that we learned this week. Something that we learned. Something that we learned. Hmm. I think your dad told me how to tie a particular fish hook yesterday that's that's the only thing that comes to mind a fish hook or a knot and well a knot for a fish hook mm. yeah i don't remember what it's called but it was quite quite neat <laughs> so did you actually learn then if you can't remember what it's called <laughs> yeah because I, I i kind of learn things by seeing and doing so i don't need to know the name of the knot to to, to use it again but then if you want to teach someone else how to tie this knot like myself you're gonna need a name for the knot well i'll call it the hangman's knot okay yeah the hangman's knot yeah all right because it looks like a kind of a hangman's noose sort of thing oh okay and then do you do you has that is that how you catch the fish yeah you catch it by hand with the (laughs) hook in your hand as well (laughs) okay just like ditch the rod we're going all in yeah (laughs) What what did you learn there? (laughs) Okay. I I didn't intend to learn this, so don't, but you always learn lessons. It wasn't hard. I still got to eat my breakfast, but we do have a gas stovetop. And you know, if you're irresponsible sometimes and uh, you don't fill up the gas and you're like, oh, you know, you just, you play, you you play your luck, right? You're like, let's just hope this stovetop keeps turning on, right? This morning, went to go cook my eggs and chicken, and lo and behold, the stove wouldn't turn on. We're out of gas, and both of our gas tanks were out. But hey, the barbecue worked. But in the morning, I cook my breakfast in a little pan, but I was able to just light up the barbecue, and it's not one of those barbecues that has the side burner, but on the barbecue, I was able to put my pan into the barbecue, heat it up, and cook my chicken and egg and cheese and all my spices on the pan inside the barbecue lid down and hey it worked treat so how good yeah so that's what i learned that i can cook things not just on the barbie but in the barbie mm. 
Hopefully it doesn't wreck the pan. Yeah. And then, you know, just before this podcast, I ducked out to the gas station and I did responsibly fill up our gas cans. Yeah. I mean, we're living in the 20th century by having to fill up our own gas cans. Mm, Yeah. It's interesting because, well, we have solar panels though. So like... It's that has just, nothing to do with gas. <laughs> no, what I'm talking about there is like the different advancements in technology. Right. We're using like fire, but we oh we've also got like you know half of the electricity in this house is free. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why we're not connected to the gas mains, but I think probably because this house was built in the '60s. So. Mm. Anyway, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, you can uh, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next few weeks for episode 194. See ya.